Hey, everybody. Thanks, as always, for tuning into Front Row Knowles. KJ and I can't thank you enough for continuing to listen as we get into, I think, our 10th year of Front Row Knowles. Also, a special thanks to Seminole Boosters, who continues to support the program. The schedule is out. Quick reminder, your ticket and priority renewal deadline is April 18th. Great schedule, great optimism, great excitement about what's ahead in 2023. None of it's possible without Seminole Boosters. So to those of you who are members, thank you. To those of you who are not, log on to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. And now, Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones. This is Front Row Knowles. we got a big show ahead, as we always do. Keith, how are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. We need to talk a little football, but we've got some other sports that are in queue that also uh, command our attention. February means uh, we shift to the Diamond Baseball Talk coming up with Kurt Weiler from the Osceola. We'll also be joined by, I think at this point, we can say legendary softball coach Lonnie Alameda. Can't we? Does that come once you win a national title? Legend just goes in front of the name? Well, I think once you've won a national title and then you start seeing your players do things both in the sport and outside of the sport, broadcasting and things of that nature, yeah, you've laid the uh, the uh, foundation pretty well. We uh, always look forward to our conversation with uh, Coach Lonnie, so that's coming up straight ahead. Keith, it's also Super Bowl week. Six guys with Florida State ties involved uh, between these two teams. Now, this is not a show to break down the NFL, but any thoughts uh, on this game? Are you anticipating it? Do you not care? Are you going to watch? Are you willing to pay $7 million bucks for a 30-second spot advertising front row Knowles in Sunday? Uh, no, no, that is not going to happen. Okay, uh, right. I am excited about watching it, and, and probably for all the wrong reasons. My very good old friend, Randy Orvitz, uh, the former trainer at Florida State who's now retired, uh, the only man that ever taped my ankles. Uh, in all four years, I was at Florida State. He was a graduate assistant and assistant trainer and then was elevated to be the full trainer. The, the story coming out of the female trainer that assisted Mahomes in rehabbing his ankle so that he could play as a result or after that high ankle sprain. See, those are the un, unsung people, the people nobody hears about that play such a huge role in getting these athletes ready to play. And uh, just hats off to Moose. I know him as Moose. Everybody else knows him as Randy. And to that young lady on the training staff of the Chiefs that got Mahomes ready to play. Those are the stories that fascinate me. I want to see how Patrick motors around during the Super Bowl. Me too. So just to be clear, if we're not going to spend the $7 million on a 30-second spot, we're just going to split the proceeds as usual? That is negatory, Ghost Rider. I'm the managing partner, and uh, that will not happen. Okay, understood. Uh, do you have a, a pick for who's going to win the game, by the way? You know, I don't. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for the Eagles and for the Chiefs because of the FSU guys. As you mentioned, six of them. Now, what, two or three of them are on practice squads or IR or that type of thing, so we're not going to necessarily see them. But let me tell you, when those guys come back and uh, show those Super Bowl rings, whichever side ends up winning it, um, that speaks a lot. Uh, there, there's very few people that get there and less that get the opportunity to win. Uh, you've got to take advantage of it when the opportunity presents. 
Uh, as a side note, did you see that in the state of Tennessee, they've introduced legislation to make Super Bowl Monday a holiday? You know, that's been on my platform for a while, Keith. Um, Tommy, uh, we will have spring games between programs before we have Mondays off after Super Bowl weekend. I'm just saying it's on the platform along with actual opponents for spring games, uh, two bye weeks per team every year. Halloween always on a Friday or a Saturday. That's wrapped up in there too. When are we having our national convention? The Block National Convention, just like the Republican National Convention and the Democratic National Convention. <laughs> well, we just had it, Keith. That's all I've got. It was that last 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> We're done. Delicates, you're you're dismissed. <laughs> That's all we got. All right. So Kurt Weiler will be our uh, Osceola insider. He's going to join us in uh, just a little bit. Kurt does a great job. Uh, you know, one thing I'll ask him about, Keith, uh, the reports about the, the the budget surplus for Florida State Athletics. A, that's good news. That's duh, stating the obvious. But uh, B, anything jump out other than the fact that that number moves a little further north every year? Well, other than the fact that they lost $21 million the year prior, including $19 million to one former coach. Uh, so if they made eight in one year and 10 the next, they still down by three. That's how I look at numbers. <laughs> There always has to be somebody to sober us up on the show. I appreciate you being that guy, Keith. I'm just saying. All right. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we say hello to this week's Osceola Insider, Kurt Weiler. Kurt, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good. Is it is it slowing down at all? Are we in the have we gotten to the point where we realize how far away we are from football season, or is there still enough news that we haven't really let that sink in yet? It's funny. It feels like the like reflection period on football season is finally dying down, and here we are like a little over a month out from spring football. So, like, I mean, it feels like kind of once one side of it dies, the other side of it starts picking up. But that's a, it's a nice problem to have. I think we're all looking forward to any football we can get, any look ahead to this 2023 season. Well, we're going to talk uh, baseball here momentarily, but just as long as I started with football, a lot of the newcomers and transfers have been made available to the media in recent weeks. What jumps out from any of those conversations and interviews that you participated in? Uh, I mean, I, something I wrote a column about on the Osceola is, I mean, pretty candidly, I think it feels like the the reason people chose Florida State has changed somewhat. I mean, I think before it was belief in Mike Norvell and belief in what they thought Florida State could be under Mike Norvell. And I think now it's, I mean, seeing the, the kind of proof of concept. And I think, I mean, a few of them, I think Braden Fisk and Keandre Jones on the same day both talked about, I mean, pursuing a championship next season. It's like, if this is my last year in college football, I want to have a chance for something like that. And I think they, I mean, they both pretty candidly said that it seems like uh, the team, including the transfer is not kind of shying away from the expectations they're going to be under entering next season. Kurt, I don't know if it was a tweet or, or something that was just uh, posted, but it was sent to me. Uh, it had Jamie Robinson talking about Mike Norvell and some of the things he said from a guy that's a two-time ACC first team performer expected to go reasonably high in the draft I found very interesting in that he he held Jamie accountable consistently he did not get away with anything he treated everyone the same way 
his message was always the same. I mean, it, it's, it was an unbelievably candid, but very, very focused uh, tribute to Norvell. A hundred percent. I think that is true. And I think, I mean, even something you heard from a, a, a Jared Burris, a similar guy in a similar situation who decided to come back. I mean, he talked about a big part of why he believed in Mike Norvell was that he kind of told him, he's like, you're going to get the same from me every day and you're going to get your, my best from me every day. And I hope you give me your best. And if so, then, and I mean, I think uh, that that got through to Jared and I think gets through to a lot of people. I mean, I think it, the, the longer we're around Mike Norvell and it's, I mean, I think we saw more of the personality, especially maybe before the camera came on this year in those media settings. But I think the, the, the more he's been around and the more you hear about him, I think the more you see that like who he portrays on TV or on front of the camera is who he is. I don't think he's putting up a front. I don't think there's anything like that. I think, I mean, he, he is pretty real. Talking with Kurt Weiler from the Osceola, Kurt, I saw, I didn't read the article, but maybe 48 hours ago, came across my feed and it was LSU media and I'm paraphrasing, but I think that the title was either why or how Jaden Daniels is going to win the Heisman. And I stepped back and I thought, you know, in my mind, I, we've even talked about it on this show. I thought maybe they'd have a quarterback battle this fall in Baton Rouge. But I, again, I didn't read the article, but I thought, well, now that all of a sudden just elevated this game even more. It was already top 10. And on the FSU side, we're talking about Jordan Travis. And then I see this thing posted that Jaden Daniels, they think they're going to, he's going to win the Heisman from the LSU side. I thought, wow, this is a big time matchup we got to wait for. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess, I, I guess the reasoning would be similar to Florida State's and that he, I mean, he's a dual threat guy who has a lot of talent around him. He loses, I think, a little more than Jordan does. But, but I think, yeah, I mean, I'm with you though. I don't, I think that could be a battle. Maybe it doesn't go into the week of the Florida state LSU game, but I mean, from all we saw from Nussmeyer, both against uh, Georgia and then, and then in that, in that bowl game, that beatdown of a depleted Purdue team. I think, uh, I mean, I agree with you. I think there's no sure thing by any means. He's just going to walk into that job next year. Yeah. That was changing gears, Kurt, changing gears. Sorry, Tommy. You talk about consistency, you talk about reputation. It's unproven at FSU, but as FSU baseball gets ready, uh, similar things can be said about the skipper for the baseball program that are talked about with Mike Norvell, agree? Uh, similar things can definitely be said, I think, about, and it's funny, I think you talk to people who've gotten to know both of them, I think uh, a lot of them will uh, will will say they're uh, they're they're pretty similar in, in their approach and maybe even like the personality type things. I mean, I think they're both like you hear you hear detail oriented about pretty much every coach. It almost feels like a prerequisite to be in the profession at this level. But I think you hear it really to the extreme about both those guys. And I think you also hear about a lot of them. I mean, about both of them, about both Norvelli and I've heard a lot about Jared is, I mean, he's a guy who cares for his players, treats them like family. And I, I think uh, you're going to see some pretty instant changes because of, I mean, he's, he's made a pretty instant impact everywhere he's been from UNC Greensboro to Notre Dame, where, I mean, the first full season, they won the ACC Atlantic and they were not expected to do that to, uh, I think you're going to see the same at Florida state. And especially, I mean, for him play like the approach at the plate, I'm thinking you're going to see less strikeouts. I'm hoping you're going to see less strikeouts. Please, and, please. And I think you're going to see better fielding. Maybe not. It's not going to be immediately like the best team in the country, but I think you're going to see gradual improvement and a notable increase from the jump. Better base running too. Yes, I think so. I think that's even more something that may fall more under Rich Wallace's, the, uh, the, one of the assistant coaches' jurisdictions. But yes. So my sense from afar, Kurt, and I'm not that close to it now. I used to be. 
is that they don't have the roster where they want it. So I think the question is, and I'm talking about pitching depth too. Now, obviously, if everybody stays healthy, then depth's not the question, right? But nobody ever stays, not, not everybody's going to stay healthy. Uh, I guess the question is, how much of getting better at those little things can make up for the roster not being where they want it right now? And, and we'll have to play the season out to answer that. I think it definitely can. And I mean, I think I will say, say what you will about the team. I do think it's a lineup that, I mean, especially with maybe an improved hitting approach is going to match. I mean, you've got some new guys and some returning guys who I think are, have that power capability. I think you have a lot of guys who are going to be really good contact hitters who put up high OBPs by working at bats or, or line down bunts or, or just getting on infield singles, however they do. And I think that, I think it's going to be a team where, I mean, like you said, I think they'll be okay. Like I worry about their pitching depth. I think they have enough guys to figure it out, but yeah, they, they, they can't have many kind of worst case scenarios I would say on the mound, but I think it's a lineup that's going to be able to mash enough to, to cover some of those, uh, those warts that I think uh, are, are kind of a, a situation of, I mean, the, the roster they inherited more than anything else. Kurt would link bringing, you know, his assistants from Notre Dame. We don't have to go through the traditional staff getting to know each other. Um, how big of how big of an advantage you think that might be in year one? I, I definitely think it helps. I mean, it's funny. I talked to uh, Chuck Rosano yesterday for a story coming later this week on the Osceola, and he's the new pitching coach who was uh, at Notre Dame before Link Jarrett got there. Didn't kind of follow him there. Wasn't hired there, and and wanted to leave. He was up for the head coaching job at Notre Dame. Once he didn't get that, his he was always going to be here on Link's staff. And I mean, he talked pretty candidly about. I mean why he wanted to follow Link and believing in him, the man, and believing in him, the baseball coach. And that he thought, I mean, I've seen how quickly kind of Link can improve things. And I think that it's going to be even smoother kind of the second go around. I think, I mean, that, that definitely, I think, plays a, a, a big role for him. And I think it, it, it will help matters when there are so many questions on the roster, for sure. FSU baseball has its leadoff dinner this Friday night and then fan day on Saturday and the season opens up next Friday. Uh, good or bad, probably good, I guess, Kurt, that FSU is not the team with the bullseye on its back. I mean, pick, it's kind of the odds. It's akin to maybe not the same degree, but a little bit more like football was last year and that they're lower profile uh, compared to what football is going to be this year, which is at the top of the the chart. Yeah, I, I agree. And I would hope that uh, the, the people would, would keep that in perspective where, I mean, I think that it, there are areas where I think they're going to instantly improve. I think they, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see where they fall in the hosting conversation. I don't think that's by any means a sure thing. I mean, like you said, they're out of pretty much every preseason poll, which is not a, a normal place for them. But I hope people keep things in perspective. And as long as you see a lot of the improvements, they may not be winning at the level yet that I think Link and his staff and the players will tell you they, they think they can within the next few years. But I think it helps. I mean, he's not... Link knows, I mean, he talked pretty candidly at his press conference and we got introduced about knowing why he was brought here. Now, whether that has to happen year one, I mean, I, I, you know, I would, I would hope people would have a little patience because I think, I mean, what he did with that Notre Dame team last year, which was not, I mean, by no means as talented, most of the other teams that made it to Omaha would, I think, show you what he's capable of if you, if you show the patience. In our closing minutes, we don't spend enough time always talking about the ladies' side of the equation, but uh, women's softball, they, they, they're not shy of the bullet. Uh, in the in the bullseye, and uh, they're 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 at the top of the heap from, from the get go. They are. It's going to be. I mean, it's always fun. They have that that Clearwater event early in the season that it seems like they they pretty do normally do pretty well in. I mean, I think they get some friendly crowds against. I mean, playing against some of the best teams in the country, and I know they're uh, 
I think playing Oklahoma State and Oklahoma in the regular season and a better ACC, I, I'm interested to see. I mean, I think uh, if you talk to I, – I, I talked about this week on, on Seminole Sidelines. I think if you uh, – I'm not by any means projecting a, a national title for them. I think they have the talent to do it. But I think if you talk to players on that team from the year before Florida State, the softball team won its national title with Megan King and with Jesse Warren. They tell you about, I mean, there was some motivation from how their season ended at home against LSU in a super regional, kind of not even making it to OKC. And this team, I mean, they won what? They lost five times all regular season last year and then got swept out of their own home regional in one day. I think there, there would probably be some motivation there they could take from that. And I think uh, a motivated team and a very talented team at that can be a uh, deadly combination. We're going to talk with Coach Alameda later in the in the show, Kurt, but uh, I know that there's been uh, facility enhancements at softball. Uh, baseball has gotten some – some, uh, and I haven't been over there, but they've dressed it up a little bit. And and then news came out that the, there was a, a $10 million-plus budget surplus from athletics. I, kind of two-part, I'm wondering if anything stuck out to you in your mind. And then, two, just a general thought on – how quickly the pendulum shifts from what the narrative was about 18 months or 24 months ago that FSU had no money. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is funny how, how that works. I think it was an 8 million surplus last year because they pretty heavily cut expenses during the pandemic year. And this was, I mean, I think my biggest takeaway is I'm interested to see really, I mean, how much do the, does the revenue both, I would say maybe net and the overall revenue go up off of because the one we just got was like it was a fiscal year that ended i think july 1st 2022 so it's not this most recent football season where they had all the primetime games and had all the great crowds I, I i'm fascinated to see i mean how much that even benefits them because i think i mean yeah i think the direction they're trending in i mean it's a testament to quite a few things david coburn did a great job i think getting the finances in straight to to let someone like michael alford come in and kind of be the the visionary the guy who who dreams bigger in replacing him. And yeah, I'm interested to see. I mean, I think you're right. I think uh, they're, they're in a much better place than they were uh, not too long ago. And that's uh, it's a testament to them. And I think they'll be able to keep doing things like that because of that. Michael Alford is not shy about touting the brand and uh, it's strategic. And he, he does it on the pregame radio show with me on a weekly basis, but he knows what all the numbers are. I guess the bigger point is he's making sure everybody else knows what all the numbers are in terms of eyeballs and viewership. Yeah, they, it, it, that quote circulated this week. I think he, he said that quote, or he may have said it multiple times, but he said that in a video with us on our, on our YouTube, a video of Jerry and I did with him. Um, I, it seems like, at least for the time being, realignment has lied down, but it seems he seems pretty dead set on knowing that that can kind of pick up at the drop of a hat out of nowhere. I think he's pretty adamant about kind of keeping that brand. I mean, like you talked about, front and center so that if the next round starts up tomorrow, if they found out a way out of the GOR, Florida State would be well positioned. That and the fact that he is well positioned to make a move when the opportunity presents itself. He will not be laying back and waiting. No, no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there from all my conversations with him. Yes, I agree with you. Well, Kurt, you know on the uh, annual football calendar that it's somewhere like between May 1st and June 30th that we talk conference realignment ad nauseum, right? Isn't it somewhere in that time frame that the rumors hit? So two years ago, I remember Texas and Oklahoma broke while we were at Aces kickoff. Okay, so it was a little later. Yeah, I think but it's, it, it's somewhere between it's between spring practice and fall camp every year that we start turning over rocks to figure out what's I going on. I think USC UCLA was more in that time frame. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it, it is definitely the like 
it, people are starting to look towards the future. They're thinking more about football season. And uh, when there's no actual football, when spring football is over, we got to find other things to talk about. And that's about as interesting a subject as, uh, as any for a lot of people. Kurt, we appreciate you joining us. And for our listeners' sake, I don't want to disclose too much, and this doesn't involve Kurt directly, except that he's standing in front of a Bud Light sign as he's talking with me and KJ. I'm just going to throw that out there, Kurt, just so our audience has the full vision of this interview that we're doing right now. Staff meeting. I had to step out of a staff meeting, but I'm happy to. Yes. We won't disclose where the Osceola staff meeting is being held. It's just coincidentally, there's a Bud Light sign on the window. Am I right, KJ? Exactly. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Kurt. Appreciate it, guys, always. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. We keep the Earl Bacon Agency hotline open and we say hello to one of the program favorites, Coach Lonnie Alameda. Not just the program favorites, one of FSU's favorite people. Coach Alameda, how are you? I would argue that you're one of FSU's favorite people too, Tom. Like, that's good stuff. Yes, I'm good. Hi, Keith. Hi, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) See? Very diplomatic. We appreciate it. So, uh, despite my advancing age, Lonnie, I actually got this one right. I said, I'm going to look this up and it's going to say, like, it's her 15th year at FSU. And I feel like it's her sixth year, right? When I look it up, but it actually is your 15th year, which um, you look great for age 32. So congratulations. But uh, did did you ever imagine, I mean, does it feel that way to you? And and what kind of excitement goes with that, given what you've built here? Yeah, not not at all. Um, You know, it's uh, such joy in the people. Like we just had the extra point club here and uh, we always do a little kickball and everyone's having fun from the age of 70 plus to 17 you know it's just like it's always just fun to be around these young players and people that love florida state so nope it just feels like it was yesterday that i got on campus with monk bonasort and here we're taking a run at it <laughs> and we won't remind our listeners that monk forgot to pick you up at the airport and you had to take a cab into your first meeting and didn't know where you were going but we're not going to go there we're not no, gonna we're go not going to go there but boy that's that's close to my heart because i don't know how many mornings i've missed because i've been up too late too and uh, you know, he was a worker. Gosh, he loved this place. He was a worker. He had such joy for the student athletes. And uh, it's just an honor to keep that memory alive. And uh, yeah, so grateful for being here. Now, Lonnie, this is probably a question for the end of the year, but I'm going to do it in reverse. I'm going to ask him the beginning of the year. 30 seconds. Describe this team as what you know about them right now. Um, right now, pretty bit scrappy. They're, they're scrappy. Um, we've really challenged them with the rugged part, but uh, I would say scrappy, speedy. Uh, experience in the offensive side and going to be a lot of fun on the pitching side. A lot of arms going to be a lot of fun. Well, that was the 30 second version. Now let's expound. And since you ended with the arms and, and kind of highlighted that, let's talk a little bit about what you have coming back there. And obviously uh, you got cat, you got uh, Leonard too. And and you said, you said more than that. So fill us in on what yep. you have there. Yeah. I mean, we had Ali Dubois transfer. She was a, uh, had an incredible season at Boston university and, um, you know, due to COVID, uh, was able to come as a grad transfer. And so we redshirted her and now she's able to get after it play. So she feels like a rookie to a lot of people because they haven't seen her face in the circle, but she has got a lot of years under her belt of competing at the college level. So we'll be excited to see her go. Allison Royalty came to us from Arizona State. So again, another college experience player, just not in a seminal jersey. And so um, those two will jump right in to college softball, but they'll be new to, to our fan base. 
Um, Emma Wilson, someone that everyone's seen here grow. Um, she's getting better every year. I'm going to see some time for her. And then we got, you know, a couple um, freshmen that I'm really excited about. And it's been a long time since we have freshmen to contribute and grow in the circle. And that's where I think Kat's expertise has really showed up. Megan King was the, the legacy reminder for Kat. Like, man, I'm, I'm turning the torch to you. Make this place great. And now Kat's feeling like, oh, McKenna Reed, you know, Maddie, young one, turning the torch to you, make this place great. So it's been fun to see um, how they've grown as freshmen in the circle already in our short time and how they're going to continue to grow. And McKenna's a lefty. That's uh, something we haven't had a lot of lefties. We obviously know Megan King was pretty good at what she did as a lefty winning a championship. Um, and I really like what McKenna's shown us so far. So um, so excited for, for all those arms and all those different looks to to get out there and, and sling the ball for Florida State. Line, this is going to be a very inquisitive question or a very ignorant question. But in baseball, we always talk about strength up the middle defensively. Second base, shortstop, center field, catcher. Do you look at the same way in women's softball or is it a little different? No, it's the same. I mean, I think that's how you build your teams. Um, the great thing about softball is um, the left side comes in play a lot. So we've had a long legacy of shortstops that played third for us and um, really kind of got after that five, six hole, got after the short game. The short game's a little more prominent in our game and the speed of our game being 60 feet. So you are dead on on athleticism, um, but I think we, there's not normally a first baseman or a third baseman that just hit and kind of pick it. They're, they're actually pretty athletic too and move in the, in the softball game. Well, as I look at your roster, I mean, it feels like some of these players have been around for multiple years and it's because uh, they got pretty high profile or your team did pretty quickly. But I mean, uh, whether it's Mudge or Harding or Flaherty or, or Mufflin, I mean, you, you've got a good core group back that has played a lot of high pressure, high level games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am uh, extremely excited about Kaylee Harding. I mean, she's obviously been pretty good for us, um, swinging the bat and playing a little right field. She's mixed into third now. She's uh, She's always been a versatile player and she's playing a little third for us, but she's starting to find her voice. We're starting to see the the really personality come out. She's always been the quiet one, just, you know, doing her thing. And now she's starting to smile and, and hear, you know, some leadership come out. And that's always fun as a coach to see that morph and start to unveil on the field. So I'm, I'm really excited about her. Michaela Enfield, you know, I, I mean, she's just a special human and uh, has done some incredible things as a freshman. Uh, I know that people got to know to look out for Michaela in the beginning of the year. They, she was showing people who she was, you know, and now she's had to learn how to to be scouted <laughs> and not just thrown to. Um, so that's a little bit different. Dev's growth has been great. Josie's athleticism, Kaylee Mudge, Miss Consistent. You wanna know what the dictionary says about consistency? It's Kaylee Mudge. I mean, she shows up every day, just pure joy, just loves softball. And uh, that just really oozes into our team. But then you have a Hal Waycaser and a Janai Kerr and they've been around the program and you know they're starting to really get go. Autumn Belvi, there's a lot of these kids that are just like, just throwing in some secret sauces. And so it's just going to be really fun to see the scrappiness show up with the team. So you open at home on Thursday, the Joanne Graf Classic. So you play a few here. Then you head to Clearwater. And, and Lonnie, it's no secret. People that know the women's game, you've made that. Florida State has made that tournament in Clearwater a, a must-see. Yeah. ESPN has dedicated a lot of resources to it. You've had some success there. But you got some big names coming into that tournament. Yeah, you know, ESPN was um, really excited about um, showcasing a bit of college softball. Like, they're really excited about the World Series and the attention it was getting. And they're like, man, can, 
Can we kick it into the opening weekend and get people excited about it on ESPN during a basketball season time where the slots were picked up by basketball? And um, they were so excited about it. They're like, well, it started a year earlier than they even anticipated. And I think it just, it has just grown. Of course, all of us are all in for TV. We love that. We love the opportunity to get on TV. So you got the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the SEC. I mean, everyone's trying to get down there in those matchups. So you're right, Keith, like it's a premier tournament. We're lucky it's in our backyard, so to speak. And, um, you know, we end up getting a lot of premier games because of the ability for us not to have to worry about flying. Um, so it's really benefited us. And we have done fairly well down there in a lot of areas and just really you have. excited about you really have. Yeah. Yeah. The opportunity, just the opportunity to play that level makes us better, regardless of the wins and losses. Hey, coach, going a little different direction. I'm not sure how much you can or can't say about this, but how much is NIL impacting your sport? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty big at some of the top dogs right now. Um, you know, I mean, our kids, I think I think Kaylee Mudge, right after the, the national runner-up uh, in 21, uh, Kaylee Mudge took it as a team mindset. We aren't involved in it too much, um, but they did some team deals. And I really appreciate how our team has taken that, and it's been more of a softball thing than an individual thing. Um, they're very mindful of keeping it team-oriented. The one thing, Tom, that I think a lot of people don't realize in NIL is our players are an equivalency sport, so we aren't on headcount. So a lot of our, some are on 60% of scholarships, some 40. So the NIL helps them get to pay for housing, pay for school, pay for things. And um, when you look at Olympic sports that are equivalency, it is a really big deal for them. You know, it really helps them get to what a headcount sport is in football, basketball, volleyball, and those sports. So um, so there, there's a different talk in NIL when you're talking to an equivalency coach or equivalency program versus a headcount program. But really excited for our girls. They're finding their voices. They're jumping into the business world quite quickly. And uh, <laughs> that's been a big girl talk from the dugout for a lot of us. <laughs> well, one of the things Tom and I have talked about going back years is, you know, when you're sitting there as the starting left guard and you're getting X, and your starting right guard is getting Y, and the difference between those two is huge. I'm old school. That has an issue. That's going to raise its head some way, and I think you're right. The Olympic sports, uh, your side, the, the softball, they've approached it as a team thing, and everybody benefiting from it, and, and I just think, unless until we figure this out completely, that's a better approach so nobody's feelings gets hurt. Now, call me old school, call me old, whatever you want to, uh, but I like the way the ladies have done it. Yeah, yeah, I've I've really admired them. And it really is dear to my heart because family values is one of the things that, that we pride ourselves on. And to see that show up in a money environment, super cool. <laughs> so you're right. Well, and it relates, and this is where I was going to go anyway, to the culture you've created with FSU softball. You talk about family environment and uh, you know this from from the year you had your national title run. I mean, that's all Florida State folks talked about was how much fun you guys were having and continue to have every time you're in the in the dugout and we see you. Uh, I'm curious though. Uh, you mentioned that you were playing kickball with the extra point club. When you know, I, I know that you uh, are a tactician too, and you spend a lot of your off season figuring out who's running the best infield drills or how best to you know recover a pitcher's arm. But where are you looking to come up with how to build your team in terms of? away from athletics because your team does all this stuff, the ropes course and all yeah. those family type team building activities. Yeah. You know, I think that's is where NIL jumps into is um, we've always done a lot of community services, a program and always felt that was very valuable. Um, you know, I, I worked, uh, worked in like a servant role as I went to school and later in life, I always, um, you know, gave of my time and learned so much about me and about life. And so I felt that it was really important in my coaching career that I was going to have a lot of community service as part of that. 
now NIL is paid through community opportunities. So it's taken us away from that connection piece. And um, so I had to really think about how else can I get off the field? So these kids don't feel valued by just softball. They're valued by who they are. And I can have those conversations about other things than just cuts and relays and curveballs and hits and runs, you know? And so, um, so I think extra point club, you know, I mean, they're just built off of servant leadership in general, you know, so it's nice to hear their stories and, um, you know, it took us 30 minutes to kickball and share some cookies, but, you know, we, we make a little connection. So many of those women are in the stands cheering on our team. And now our players come off the field and they see those faces. So not only are we connecting the fan to player, but now there's a little more of like, you know, you give and you're out on the elementary school and I want to be an elementary teacher, you know, let's go to your school. So it just is the 40 year decision when you come to a four year school, right? Like that's what it connects to. So I think there's just so many boxes it checks and the military training. I mean, boot camp is boot camp for a reason. You know, it's it's the it's the standards how you do things. It's teamwork. And when you go and have some military, whether it's Navy SEALs or Marines, I mean, when they talk, they don't need to know each other. They're the line, and it's the same on the softball field. I don't need to know Susie at shortstop. It is how you turn a double play, you know. And so I think we just have those genuine conversations about teamwork and. Um, so, you know, and all things that help you later in life. So very lucky and fortunate that we're able to do a lot of those things, but the proof in the pudding has been a strong team towards the end of the year. Lonnie, as every coach does, you keep wanting things. We need to change things. We need to add things. FSU has been a little hesitant, although they've been good. They've been a little hesitant, but you're starting to see some upgrades. Tell our folks about what you're pleased with and what's going on in Graft Field and with your complex. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, the one thing, and, and I just kind of go back to like Wrigleyville a little bit, you know, if you got this beautiful um, historic venue in Chicago, you can't really, you're landlocked, you know, we're landlocked here by some, a beautiful parking garage and, you know, a lot of things, but like people load up the parking garage, people are on the street. Now we've got this amazing deck system, you know, it's like a, it's the party deck out there. You bring your chair, you bring an umbrella, you can hang out. And so it's like, we're trying to find all the fun things in the nooks and cranny to take care of the fan experience. Um, covering our bullpen here with uh, uh, luxury suites, boxes. Um, but again, those people are going to be right on the field. It, it's like we're just cozy right around here. The scoreboard's incredible. You know, it's so nice to have a little action going on up there. I put my practice plan on every day and I think it's great, you know, so <laughs> like just little things, um, you know, you only know what you know. And now all of a sudden we're getting into another world and we're like, whoa, so cool. So um, so yeah, I, you know, I think that we are, we're very fundamental in our, in our wants here. We don't need the Taj Mahal, but we need things that are very functional and great for a fan-friendly environment. Let's take a look at that replay and see what you did wrong on that play, right? Yes. Love it. I went, I was at Coach Norvell. I love to go to practices and I went to football practice and I'm like, wow, like, what are they doing over there? And then I was like, can we use that in our field? And then, so Coach Norvell, of course, you know, we got the chance to use it a couple of times and I'm like, oh, game changer. Like, I love it. So you know, we all try to steal things from each other. And, and I think that uh, we're lucky that, I mean, Mike's awesome. Like he is, he loves sports and he, you know, whatever, come listen, come talk, come watch, come. I mean, we, we all the coaches share here. And I just, I love that. Talking with Coach Alameda, we'll wrap up in a minute. Uh, do you have a name for the party deck yet? Is that out for bid? Are you taking suggestions or it's just yeah. the party deck? Nah, left field lounge. We've heard, um, the the what does someone call it the other day i can't remember but yeah it's out for it's out for that it's going to get named i'm sure um, yeah. right now it's heads up lounge because walter is shouting over there pretty quick so um, yeah well that's definitely true <laughs> yeah yeah so the hey, bullpen there uh, we've already had 
beers and everything, you know, has flown into the bullpen because it's right over the bullpen. So that's going to be a unique experience. So all kinds of things, but that's what happens when you build extra stuff and um, just really, really cool for the fan experience. Hey, final question, coach. And uh, I, I don't have a daughter who plays softball, but my son is 12 and into soccer. And this is a question that I feel like I've, I've talked to baseball coaches and football coaches about. I'm wondering in terms of who you recruit, just the general all around experience, specializing versus playing multiple sports. How does that translate into like the players that are on your roster now, or what counsel would you give parents of, you know, kids that are aspiring to play? Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you that I'm seeing a lot more um, overuse injuries, uh, especially in our pitchers. I, I've never um, a lot of hip labrum tears. Um, There's a lot of back lower back stuff at the age of 19. I mean, we at camps all have kids that, you know, 13, 14, 15 say they have back problems. And I'm like, you are too young, but it's just an overuse of one motion. So when you can play other sports, you can cross train your body and you're not overusing just like the repetitive arm circle or the throwing motion. So, um, so I think that's something that we need to be mindful of. And we've really, you know, taken a deep dive into um, functional body movements, um, strength movements, um, mobility. Um, so we're really starting to test out players at a young age, understand our players. So then when they get into the system, we have the ability to get their functional movement patterns back. So then they can play at a higher level. Um, so sometimes like we won't even weight train them. We'll just get their mobility better. And um, so I think there's a lot of sleep and recovery mixed into finding out what each player's at and getting them to perform to their level. So it, it's been quite interesting going down this road of me not really understanding those things. I'm past those years of education, but I'm trying to re-educate myself on that. But I would say in short, the 30 seconds Keith Jones terms is the overuse, the one repetitive motion overuse. So if you're doing swimming at a young age over and over again, you're going to have shoulder problems. If you're doing pitching at a young age, it's not natural motion. Something's taking a beating. You're going to have problems later in life. So we've got to start cross-training and, and give rest. We've got to have rest to, to be able to make it to the levels that we all think we can go to. See, Tommy, what I heard there is I'm in training on the sleep and recovery part. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say I'm pretty good at rest. So yeah. we're on the same page, Keith. <laughs> Lonnie, appreciate it. Hey, have an awesome season. It's always great to connect. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Go Knowles. Go Knowles. All right. We'll wrap up Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Lonnie Alameda, always a pleasure to have her on the show, Keith, and uh, appreciate she. Uh, she wasn't in a hurry to leave and we weren't in a hurry to stop asking questions because she's so engaging. But I look forward, uh, I think we talk to her once a year, maybe twice a year when we get to the postseason, but it's always a fun conversation. There, there is no question that when you define uh, the qualities of a coach, you want them to be able to teach. You want them to be able to motivate. You want them to be good tacticians. They've got to be uh, able to understand the numbers and the nuances with all the additional data they have available. But you also want your coach to round out your players, in this case, the ladies. And you want to have them represent the program as well as the school. And, and she checks all the boxes. She's as good off the field as she is on. She's as good during the season as she is in the off season and vice versa. Uh, Florida State is just very, very fortunate to have her 
heading up that program. And I hope it'll continue for a long, long time. Yeah, and it sounds like with the pitching depth and all the the recognizable names that are coming back, they're in for a, another big year. I've not been out to softball yet. Of course, the season hasn't started, but I haven't been by to see what the additions look like. But I'll have to check out the uh, the left field lounge. Well, I was going to suggest that uh, you know we can't do uh, you know a seven million dollar um, uh, thirty second commercial for the um, for the Super Bowl, but maybe we could have the, that patio be front row Knowles patio or something. We'll, we'll just have to look into that. We'll have our people talk to their people yeah. and, and we'll, we'll see where that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. All right, Keith, we got about a minute left. Uh, did you, did you pick yet? Uh, Chiefs, Eagles, what are we, what are we doing? I, here? I said, I wasn't going to pick, but you're going to make me. So I'm going to go with the chiefs. I'm gonna go with the chiefs. I think, uh, I think particularly, Kelsey has redefined, as did Gronk and others, that tight end position and um, just the ability of Mahomes to create out of bad. He creates good things out of bad situations. It's not that he eliminates the bad situations. He embraces the bad situations and then creates good things out of them. So I like the Chiefs, but I won't be disappointed if the Eagles win. Well, same. So that's really boring for uh, for a a sports podcast. But, yeah, I, I find myself pulling for the Chiefs, too. Uh, see, but I, I do think that uh, the, the real story is going to be, even though Hertz is tremendous, uh, I don't think there's any question now that the Mahomes-Joe Burrow is the, the modern-day uh, Manning versus Brady that we're going to see for the next 10 or 15 years, and I'm looking forward to it. I would agree. I would agree. And every time I see Joe Burrow's play, he continues to impress. We don't normally see him. I mean, that's not the games we get, and Chiefs have been so high-profile, high we're all watching them. Uh, but as you watch Burrow's play, uh, he impresses. No question. All right, we're out of time, KJ. Thank you to Kurt Weiler and Coach Alameda. We'll do this again next Wednesday. Have a great, great week, everybody. This is Front Row Knowles.